0: Kia ora to our listeners and welcome to the What The Tech podcast, where we discuss educational technologies and our experience in using them in educational spaces. I'm Bronwyn from the EdTech group at HEDC, the Higher Education Development Centre. I have with me three fellow colleagues, Professor Kerry Shepard, Associate Professor Joyce Coe, and Dr Nave Wald, who um, are going to take part in this episode about artificial intelligence and higher education. Hello to you all. Hello. 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 <laughs> Many of our listeners have probably heard about something called ChatGPT. There are a lot of people talking about how this technology will change teaching, learning and employment. I'm looking forward to discussing this with you all. But first, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself and what your position here is at the University of Otago. Nave, would you like to start us off?
1: Okay. I'm not an ed- tech person. I'm a lecturer at HEDC. Um, and my main area of research is about assessment. So I come into the fold here in terms of chat GDP, in terms of, of assessment and its implications, um, and, and so on. So that's my, kind of my contribution, if you like.
2: Welcome, Nave. Joyce. Hi, uh, I'm Joyce. Uh, I'm an associate professor at the HEDC. So I am focusing on teachers and technology so obviously uh, interested to explore how teachers could use AI, like ChatGPT. And Hi. I'm Kerry Shepherd, so
3: Professor of Higher Education Development here at HEDC. Um, many years ago, I would have said that I was an ed- tech person, um, but now I'm far more broadly interested in the policy and practice of higher education, and, and perhaps my position is that there should be no such thing as educational technology anymore, because educational technology is everywhere. It's almost impossible to imagine a higher education without technology. Um, so I'm, I'm really interested in CHAT GDP. Um, perhaps less interested than many would be about the particular aspects that relate to students. And I'm really interested in, in how university teachers are going to use it. Um, and not just our university teachers, but university people around the world. So I think it's going to have a, a big impact on the, the, the roles and responsibilities of higher education.
0: It certainly is a global discussion that's happening right now. Um, So let's get into discussing artificial intelligence in higher education. And why don't we start by sharing our views on this topic and what excites us or worries us in this space?
1: Uh, Well, I mean, I've been reading quite a lot on this over the last couple of months. And it seems to be, you know, those who are really enthusiastic about this and the change, the positive change it would bring versus those who are extremely worried about machines taking over and, and and so on. So I guess I'm 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 both excited and worried. Um, not so much worried about cheating per se. I'm just kind of worried that the level of it, the education of some students might get would be you know lower in terms of, of, of its quality. So so yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm reading those and I'm reading a lot about con- contradictions. Some academics say uh, students can't really use that. Uh, to produce good work versus those who said yes, this can absolutely generate marvelous kind of essays, or, or not marvelous, but they can pass, um, and so they are concerned with that. And and so I'm kind of in a position here of uh, kind of wait and see, and test it out, and see and see how students actually use it and so on. So I'm not I'm neither very excited and, and nor very worried. Some maybe somewhere in between.
2: Yeah, for me, I I think. Uh The fact that once we have a tool that is convenient to use, we tend to use it for what it is and we stop to inquire about it. But like ChatGPT, uh, it's something that I I think you you need ways of using it effectively. So even as a teacher, how do I uh, introduce it to students and, and help them to use that in a way that enhances their critical writing or critical thinking. And even as a student, you know, how do they use it? But I've been a student, so I think if I have such a tool like this and if I'm pressed for time, more likely I will just put my query there and then (laughs) take whatever it gives me. So uh, it's more like I'm more concerned about the human nature itself, that we tend not to be very disciplined when we are using tools and we use it for what it is. So I think that that's the issue.
3: Um, I'll tell you my worry, um, and I am worried about aspects of this. Um, My my worry is that university people by and large will ignore it um, and think it's someone else's job to sort out. Um, They'll they'll leave it to the technologists um, or they'll leave it to uh, computer scientists or philosophers. Um, And and my worry is essentially because this is, um, all of a sudden, this is everyone's business. Um, everyone who works in higher education will be affected by this um, and my, my experience is that um, academics instead of grasping the responsibilities that their role provides them with they do tend to say oh, I've just got so much else to do I'm going to leave this to somebody else and somebody else can sort it out. That's my major worry um, and without academic input into these um, debates and, and I don't just mean specialist inputs from ed tech people or specialist inputs from, from computer scientists who are really into artificial intelligence, I, I mean um, input from the average academic. Um, without that input, then I think um, we're, we're, we're going to have lots of problems. So yes, I, I, to be honest, I think we are going to have lots of problems because I don't think we're going to get that input. That's my, that's my worry. My excitement, I think this is an incredibly exciting thing. I think it's going to, um, just for example, um, change the, the perspective in academia of the difference between being an academic in the global south and the global north. Um, I, I don't think the use of English is going to uh, be a hugely problematic issue for many academics who currently are almost excluded from the, the, the world of publication. Um, artificial intelligence is going to make um, their, their writing in their own languages, all of a sudden, um, accessible to everyone else. Um, the quality of it is something else we're going to get to grips with, I'm sure, as we, as we, as we talk about this but just this this perspective of of levelling the playing field between academics whose first language is English and academics whose first language is something else I think will make a a dramatic dramatic difference. It might even make a, because presumably chat GTP won't only work in the English language, in fact I know it doesn't, Um, it it, it could totally change the balance of power of, of languages in academia. So super exciting in that respect.
0: There has been a lot of buzz, and um, there's a little bit of almost, would you say, panic? Now, do you think?
1: Well, I don't know. No, probably not panic. I mean, I share, I share Kerry's kind of concern that that many colleagues would just say, "All right, I can't deal with that." But in a, in a way, that's not the worst case scenario from my perspective. A much worse outcome might be that that colleagues would revert back to multiple choice questions to find large final exams. So basically. Uh, avoid essay writing or, or, or research reports, avoid the kind of assignments that lend themselves to using AI tools, that I think would be worse than doing nothing. So at the moment, before, at least before we have more information, uh, do nothing may not be the worst thing that can happen.
0: Yes, because I've heard that some universities are even trying to ban access or something like that. Joyce, do you think that that's, you know, what are they saying? These kind of tactics to try and control
2: how it's used or accessed? I think as long as it's a free tool, you can't really control how people use it. But the other way, of, of course, is always to teach people how to use it properly. But I think a, a big challenge with teachers, which is perennial, is that there's always not enough time in their curriculum time to teach things like critical thinking, uh, research skills, library skills, because they are full of content. There's so much content that they are responsible for. And I think this will be the same issue again, because right now, even in universities, I don't think teachers have time to teach things like information search, research skills, information literacy. So, So usually they will ship their students off to the library or to some other department that's like having to teach all these things, even study skills. So I think even skills with using AI wouldn't be something very different. It's the still, still the same challenge that teachers will have and like Carrie says, they, they probably won't do anything because they can't do, then they will wait for someone to do something.
3: Well, they, For example, they wait for Turnitin and SafeAssign to sort it out for them. Um, Mm -hmm. And and, uh, it may well sort it out for them with the current version of of chat GTP, but who knows what the next version will be? So on on my mind here is this this notion, it's a bit like a chess game. You you can play chess by just thinking one step at a time, Mm -hmm. but probably not very successfully. Um, So in an academic um, policy and practice of higher education perspective, we really need to be several steps ahead. Um, and anticipate what might be happening and prepare for it, even though it might not. No, that's what planning ahead is, is all about. So, f- so for me, if I just sort of follow through with, the, with ideas around um, uh, academics' use of it rather than students' use of it, um, the publication process and, and, the, and the roles of higher education in terms of teaching global citizens or um, international research, um, these are sort of bigger sort of fields. Um, it's fairly clear to me that we will start finding tools that will, for example, enable academics to do all sorts of things they couldn't have done before. Um, one of the simplest now is writing literature reviews, but writing them in with a good standard of English. Um, Check GDP can do that. It might not get the references right, but that can be checked and, and, uh, and altered. So, The peer review process in the publication world is going to change dramatically. Peer reviewers will no no longer just be able to look through one or two of the references and check it's right or just just have a cursory read through and oh that makes sense. Every aspect of it is going to have to be checked to make sure that it fits what the field of inquiry demands it to be at this stage, and the amount of work for a peer reviewer nowadays it, it, it's just going to be astronomical. It's just going to change things dramatically. Mm-hmm. The next step from that though is this, this idea that the Chat GP will be able to do things that we currently don't want to do. Um, that those of us who are listening who are academics who not only teach but they also mark essays, grade exams, the workload involved in, in grading a set of, let's say 200 ex- three hour examinations I mean it's, it can be weeks of work. It's mm. certainly days and days of work. Um, and anybody who's done it, they know by the time they get to the end of the pile, they 've forgotten what the the first ones were like. And if they don't have a really good mark sheet or anticipation of what they're grading, it, it's hugely problematic. Chat might not be able to do that now. But fairly soon, um, artificial intelligence tools will do that much, much more efficiently than, than we do. And then the next stage is, well, do we still have a job doing that? Well, yes, we'll still be teachers, but will we be the people responsible
2: for marking and grading? Possibly not. Possibly well, it's like... They, they'll up. probably be the people responsible for uh, inputting the right rubric for chat GPT to, to use it. So that's where, I mean, you, you use the, the professor's knowledge... And and expertise a lot more than doing you know the manual work of checking, so so I think that that in a sense is Mm. it'll be something positive and highly productive. But let's think the next stage
3: beyond that. If you were a, a university manager, would you employ university teachers to just do that bit of it? A big proportion of their actual work now is is marking and grading. Ah, then That's going to be done by machine.
2: Then it's back to what is the assessment structure. Uh-huh. I mean, do you put like 80% of the marks of, of the whole assessment on that one essay or something? Or do you have lots of like other authentic assessments and other assessment structures that, you know, can allow you to have a good assessment of the student and also m- more importantly to understand students what um individually such that you you know like if if this person turns in an essay that is like so fantastic but as a teacher you should know from the whole semester of work like whether that's fishy or not. So I think it has other things to do with like assessment.
1: I I like the, the potential irony here that we will use an AI tool to mark assignments written by another AI tool. (laughs) <laughs> and so no, it's not only that the uh, re- teachers are removed from this process, the students are also removed. And so I don't know who's going to get the degree at the end of it. <laughs> and, and so <laughs> if, if we think forward you know, into the future, the main concern is with the quality of education, because, and, and because if that becomes a, a, a widespread practice, and hopefully not, but who knows, those students will graduate and, and, and get jobs. And, and then they may not be able to perform, to use AI tools to that extent. And then they will be exposed, if you like, and maybe the reputation of the institution uh, might be affected. I mean, that's kind of the follow-on effects uh, of that. And I don't know what kind of capabilities this, this would have, but one of the, the main areas of, of advice nowadays is for those kind of assignments that May lend, may lend themselves to use AI tools is to actually ask for higher order cognition, of interpretation and creativity, and these are the exact things that that rubrics struggle with. Um, maybe we should have another podcast about the use of rubrics in higher education, but that's that's sure. a different topic. <laughs> but I can't really see that working, you know, very well. So I think for that higher level, a, a person, indiv- you know, human being will still be required. But then, because of the time-saving aspects that Kerry kind of was talking about, which is absolutely a, a massive challenge we have, then if AI is ba- able to do that and save all this time, like with multiple-choice questions, then mo- maybe more colleagues would refer to those kind of assignments that are really easy and, and fast to, to mark. But these may not be the highest uh, level of, of cognition and learning and, and, and so on that we would hope. So we're gonna. Find ourselves in a similar situation that we are at now, just with more tools, uh, you know, just rather than just MCQs.
2: Yeah, maybe it's like next time instead of getting them to write essays, you give them an essay and then ask them to critique <laughs> what, what's good or bad about, you know, the content that is written in the essay itself. Then it has some implications on like assessment. How do we use things like authentic assessment, other things like e-portfolios and stuff like that to, to really know the student's ability in, in a more authentic way rather than just through an essay or through multiple choice questions?
1: Yeah, I, I think one, one of the interesting bits about GDP and the things that kind of I enjoyed is that you have a conversation with it, which is strange when you mm. think about it, but that's what it is. And so there's a lot of emphasis on the question we... We, we asked, and, and, and so we have in education on you know, this, this idea of problem-based learning and, and, and so on. But oftentimes the hardest aspect is not so much in finding a solution, it's also to ask the right questions and identify the problem. So who identifies the problem? And, and here there's a potential for the students to engage really in the, in the question-asking aspect of, of this dialogue rather than in answering the questions. So I agree. Yes, there's a lot of that, a lot of good idea out there. A lot of things that can be done with those tools, but it's not. I don't think it's it's possible or even uh, warranted to change all assessments to use that tool in that way because then everything becomes about the AI tool and circumventing its potential uh, for cheating, and so that's I mean not not ideal.
3: One of the things that I I'm interested in. I suppose excited about really, Um, and again it's looking forward, it's not what we have now. Um, It really is this idea that uh, higher education does several different things. If we just work in the the, the teaching area, we teach our students. We also use assessment to support their learning. Um, Assessment isn't only summative, it's formative, it's a fantastic tool to support people's learning. But higher education is also really um, necessary now for um, what we might call accreditation. It's the idea that you get a degree from a particular institution. You don't just get a degree. Um, And the reputation of that institution is really important. Uh, My chess sort of game equivalent there, looking ahead, is I I should imagine we're going to gradually see a separation between the accreditation role of higher education and the teaching role of higher education. Universities are fantastic places to, to learn. I don't think they're the only place. I mean, there are all sorts of independent learning processes and the ed tech world has been hugely important for enabling students to be able to learn independently from their teachers. But this idea that in the future, university teachers will still be involved in the accreditation process. I think it's probably unlikely now. I think um, artificial intelligence is going to develop to the point where those who require the accreditation, those who are prepared to give somebody a job based on that particular degree will say, well actually do we trust the university to be able to do this? Maybe we trust an external accreditation board because the universities are competing with one another. This is of course already happening and in, in, in some countries, some universities won't trust the degree from another university, and they, they insist on, on the student doing an independent examination. I can see that happening more and more. Um, so, uh, and, and that doesn't remove CHAT GDP from any of this, because the External Accreditation Authority may well be using artificial intelligence tools to achieve that. But I, I can see it having a profound effect on the role of university academics as we see
1: it now. I think, Kerry, this kind of speaks to this kind of idea around being work-ready, and where the responsibility lies in terms of of employers and maybe some politicians or society more at large expecting uh, our graduates to be work ready, whatever that may mean. Mm -hmm. um, Whereas things have changed in the past that wasn't uh, as important maybe as it is now. And it was a recognition that there will be a lot of on-the-job training. So a degree is just a starting point. You're not job ready by any means. And there's some responsibility on the employer for continuous uh, training and education. Um, So it it, doesn't matter, There's there's a big, History there, and the it's big, the a big thing in itself. I, I share your concern, but it may also mean that shift in perception mm-hmm. of employers saying they should have some basic yep. skills and knowledge and, at, and attributes and attitudes, and I will need to invest in them to bring them to the to the level that I want them as as employees. Something that I suspect others are concerned about, and um, within the
3: higher education sector itself, perhaps we haven't given it enough thought. Is, is what the needs of, of the employers, of our graduates are. I, I think most of us who've tried or used ChatGPT and similar tools, I mean, I think we're confident that it does some things quite well, but there is an awful lot that goes on that probably we do much better. So the critical thinking, the, you know, the higher order cognitive elements, um, they, these are r- really important. But the real question for me then is, well, what do the employers actually want? Um, If they want somebody to be performing at a high level, they're not going to employ CHATGDP to do it. But lots of our graduates end up by going and doing fairly mundane jobs, at least in part. I think it likely that some of those jobs won't be available for our graduates in the future. I think it's going to have a a knock-on effect on on what we're teaching and how we're teaching. And it may well be, um, Naveh, that we can focus far more on the higher order cognitive outcomes, and I would say the affective outcomes, that, that so people's values and attitudes that perhaps employers will still value, that don't come necessarily with the, with the machine. I was actually gonna use a, a fairly trivial example, because in the, in the university, I've recently complained about something, um, and I got a letter back, that could have easily been written by Chat GTP. <laughs> it, it wasn't. It was written by somebody who was employed to send a, a complaining pre- professor a, 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 a letter. But 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 that person's job that could well be done by by Chat because it was just uh, oh thank you for your inquiry sir you know we, we we hope that it's not been too distressing or things like that. Yeah. Chat GTP will be the perfect employee to produce that sort of letter.
2: Yeah, but currently you're already having a lot of avatars you know, responding to your request whenever you have like, I don't know, insurance or banking you don't have time to call so now now they are giving avatars there and you just talk to that avatar It's, it's just that those things are not being assessed This is the it chatbot <laughs> <laughs> the, <answer laughs> is the chatbot But I think there's always a, a quandary in terms of being work ready If you ask the employer like what kind of graduates you want they will say, oh critical thinking and high order thinking and blah 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 but then uh, in terms of the jobs they offer them usually you're starting out from like undergrad you may not land that kind of jobs that (laughs) are that level until a few years in work so so i think that that is kind of the quandary and and plus the issue that teachers always don't have time to build that sort of skills so i i think that there's just a stalemate there in terms of they're always complaining that the universities not training the students well, Th- that is where, you know,
1: things are always stuck. I think we speculate quite a lot, you know, and there's a good reason for that, we don't really know, but but I it's, it's also a possibility in the spirit of speculation that the teachers will find the tools useful for their own work, research and teaching, and, and by doing that, they'll develop familiarity with it and get more ideas of how to get the students to use it. So they may not have the time to stop now and start looking into it and and do the kind of things that maybe we do or or some other people with specific interest in that do, but they they might come on board seeing it as a useful tool for their own work. Mm -hmm. So that's another possibility there.
0: Looking ahead, Kerry, maybe we'll start with you because you've already kind of mentioned a few things here. What do we think needs to happen in higher education to manage the upcoming changes this technology will bring? You've already mentioned kind of the chess game strategy. Do you have any further thoughts about the tangible um, things that the university might do in in the future to kind of integrate with this technology?
3: I think it's absolutely vital that, that, that all university teachers experiment themselves with chat GTP um, and similar sorts of tools. They've got to use it for their own research, to write um, research articles, not complete, you know, but just what does it do? It's almost as if they can't be taught what these things, they have to experience it. So let's hope once they've had those experiences, they will be driven to be more involved in the conversations, uh, r- rather than, you know, sort of folk like HEDC, running workshops on it. Um, it, it it's, it's got to be an experience based out of development, I think.
2: Mm-hmm. Joyce, what are your thoughts? I think the university probably has to have a greater vision than just worrying about AI. It depends on what do they want to do in terms of uh, innovative teaching and learning, and what kind of ways of future learning would benefit our students to make them more work-ready for, for the industry out there. So I think it's not just chat GPT, but we also think about like, you know, systems that can um, look at, say, how students are performing and, and recommend their systems to, to recommend them resources or things that can help them improve learning. So it's more of like how teachers and universities look beyond, because I think even in our structures, it's probably we are still relying a lot on like, okay I give you this textbook, you learn all this, you take an MCQ test and then show me that you know all these terms and all that and that's where you get your degree. And, and how we do that? We do our lectures, we do tutorials and, and you know that sort of structure. Maybe in the future those curriculum structures all have to change as we look at um, a, a more innovative way of teaching that, that is more like preparing the kind of graduates that we want so so then consideration of ai comes within one of this and it's not just a knee jerk reaction to like oh now we have chat gpt and then we're gonna get lots of uh i don't know academic integrity issues so we have to react i think it has to be something more visionary than that
1: yeah i think i'm well first of all i'm kind of cautiously optimistic that just because this tool may enable students to to cheat, if you like, uh, a lot of them would do it. I think a lot of students wouldn't, and but the university needs to have some kind of policy and expectation around that. And so I think that it, it should be it shouldn't be banned because you can't really ban it. So you need to learn how to work with it. But there's always a threshold. To, to at what point this bec- uh, this stops becoming a tool we use to help us and it becomes the thing that that writes, you know, and that goes beyond that threshold. And that's new territory for for all of us. Uh, I think no previous technology was ever able to cross that threshold. Uh, No calculators, not computers, anything like that was able to create something new. And so we need to kind of observe that line and it still needs to be the students thinking and the student work. So they, yes, they should use it as a tool, but not crossing that imaginary line that I don't entirely know where, it's, where it stands now.
3: In, in a way, I think it's, it's down to higher education to, to step up to its responsibility. So, Joyce, I absolutely agree with you that, that universities need to be more open and more adventurous in these respects. But back in 1988, New Zealand had a, an Education and Training Act, I think then it was just called the Education Act, and it absolutely stated that universities needed to be forward-looking and all these other things and their particular point was that the principal aim of of tertiary education in fact uh, was to develop students' intellectual independence. I think by and large we tended to ignore that. By and large we focused on just what you were describing, Joyce. It's essentially the content of a discipline and that might be one route to en- enable people to become intellectually independent, but it's probably not the best route or the only route. And, and I think, right now, we, we, we're at this position where artificial intelligence is gonna basically insist that we step up and do what we're meant to be doing. Um, artificial intelligence might be one way to help us do it, but it's certainly gonna be one way to help us identify where we're not doing it, because it's gonna be problematic if we don't take it seriously,
2: I think. But I think another difficulty is also that um, many professional programs are uh, accredited by external bodies. So, so they, um, that accreditation kind of affects how we do our curriculum because we have to fulfill you know, mm-hmm. certain expectations. So some, some of the, the very content-driven kind of approach might also be because in some programs they, they have those uh, the need to answer to the accreditation bodies, mm. so it's not not just then universities, but perhaps also even like professional bodies, need to think a bit about, you know, what what kind of, uh, thinking professionals they want. What does it mean, and how does AI tools influence that that whole process? A
3: long-standing alternative has been to say that students could, should get their degrees first, become intellectually independent before they go on and then study a profession. Yeah. Um, that, that studying a profession as soon as they leave school isn't the only way to do it, and and I think there are quite a few areas in the world where, where that's a, a more common pattern. Um, and, and again,
1: artificial intelligence might force us to take a particular route in that direction. So it, it's a disruptor that actually may help us achieve the the original aim here, for like all the long-standing aim yeah. of, of the legislation mm-hmm. in terms of, of, of graduate attributes yes. we want to achieve. So that's that's one, one aspect in which it, it's an exciting development,
2: but it's going to be tough work for us, I think. Mm-hmm. I think we still need to understand the technology a bit more. Uh, we need to understand perhaps the algorithms, like how, where, where do they get the sources and how does it interact with Turnitin save a sign and that sort of thing. So I I think we we are kind of hypothesizing all the possibilities. But the crux of it is that uh, what is the then the quality of the responses that are given from ChatGPT. So uh, yeah, having a bit more information about that technical part will be important for how we would respond to the technology.
0: Okay, well, that's all we have time for today. I'd like to thank Kerry, Nave and Joyce for coming along and sharing their thoughts on artificial intelligence and in higher education. I hope our listeners enjoyed the conversation. Until next time, kaki te